right, uh, welcome, welcome uh, everyone to this uh, new episode of the podcast uh, Coffee Breakdown. I am Luca Viaretto, and uh, today we're going to dive into the topic, uh, into the wonders of the uh, microscopic uh, world, uh, in particular the sub added subatomic scale. And in order to do this, uh, we have our guest, Giovanni Mocellin. Hi, guys. Hello. So Giovanni uh, obtained his master's degree at the University of Padua in Italy, and then he obtained uh, recently, actually this year, his PhD on particle physics at the University of Aachen in uh, Germany, and um, actually working in a strong collaboration on, uh, with uh, certain laboratories. So welcome, Giovanni, and uh, thank you very much for being here. Yeah, thanks for the introduction, Luca. Actually, uh, it's a pleasure for me to be here and uh, yeah, to have this interview with you. Yes, yes. So actually, I think most people don't know, but we're also good friends from university studies. And right. I remember yeah. that we were uh, taking, you know, the famous train uh, in Italy at oh, yeah, 4 yeah, in yeah. the morning. Bassano and Pablo, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I don't, totally don't miss that, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, not at all. No, indeed, in Aachen, I was having the apartment right next to the university so that I could walk to the university. That changed totally my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Improvement over time. So Giovanni basically is a physicist. And uh, the reason why I actually wanted to do this chat with him is because he works in a very secret lab. Uh, no, he's actually one of the, <laughs> one of the biggest uh, lab in the world, that is uh, CERN. Uh, there yeah. is a border between Switzerland and uh, France, if I'm correct. Right. And there they study particle physics. So the first question for me is just, what is a particle, like for everyone, for a general public? general audience right um so to answer this question i will start from what we see in a microscopic world right so uh think about for example i don't know i have a computer in front of me right uh we know that inside a computer we have components and yeah. inside the components we have other micro components and then we go down in the scale until we find what are called atoms right um that from greek uh means uh that's not possible to split right yeah um, but of course, that name was given at, in the time when they could not think of splitting an atom. All right, they, they actually, were wrong. <laughs> they were totally wrong. Uh, but you know, it, it's what happens with knowledge, right? Every time you improve, and that's why also we have, certainly we have this uh, huge collaborations. We have, uh, we have physics in the end, right? We want to improve always knowledge. Uh, in, in, every type of knowledge actually I mean, yeah. uh, we have vaccines for COVID just for that right we do research um, so improving knowledge is, is the base now we come from the atom and we know now that we can split it uh, so we find electrons we find nuclei inside nuclei we have again particles uh, so we have little I don't know we call we can think of them as spheres just because we lack of imagination. So everything, the, the simplest thing we can do is to, to think of them like being spheres all together, attracted one to the other, and they stay together. Um, so you can think of nuclei having protons, so positively charged balls, right? And then uh, neutrons, neutral uh, balls that do actually nothing for electric charge. Uh, but of course, they help the nucleus stay together. Uh, and then all around it, you have electrons. Right now, we have composed an atom. Fine. Um, so we can think of everything being made of atoms, different ones with more electrons, more neutrons, more protons, blah, blah, blah. But actually, it's not the end of it, right? There's more to come and more that we discovered over the, over the years. Um, and, and so, I mean, are we made of only that no what are we made of uh we're made of other particles um actually we are modified by other particles and what is cool for example is i told you about electrons right yeah. electrons have cousins uh which are uh larger uh, heavier right um and one of them is called muons uh and these muons for example you can find them everywhere around you. I mean, there's, there's a rain of muons coming okay. on you. 
and they help us in uh, modifying our DNA slowly and peacefully, actually. And that's a bit scary, and, actually. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is, absolutely. I mean, think of your hand, right? Uh, your hand is like 10 decimeters square, more or less. Yeah. You put it horizontally on the floor, um, mm -hmm. and you have one new per, uh, per second passing through. Okay. That's these, these, these come from the, from the stars? They, uh, from... Uh, yeah, basically, yeah, from all the stars. So all the sources in, in the universe, mm -hmm. they pass through the Earth. Um, they come, well, they, they, they start as other particles, of course. Uh, but then they come to the Earth, they start interacting with them. So yeah, they collide with other. Another key concept of particles is that they interact with the others, right? Yeah. So yeah. They, they don't live alone. We're made of, all made of particles that interact. That's the key point. And they can interact in very different ways. Yeah, um, yeah. We know of four ways. Now we want to find the fifth one. I don't so, know. So basically, there is all zoo of different particles. That's what you are saying, basically. So also the there, proton so and many, neutron, and they are made of smaller particles. They are all made of small particles. They're made of quarks. Uh, many of you already may know about that. Um, and, and again, you can think of what's next, right? What's smaller? Uh, what's the smallest piece that you can find if you divide that? Uh, we don't yet know. That's the cool thing about it. Okay. Right? That's what we want to find out. So okay. we have quarks, and then after that, what? Um, we don't know yet. That's why we invest uh, money, time, efforts, brain, power, and so on. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. All right, all right. So yeah, this is actually interesting, and this brings me to Another question, actually, that uh, I mean, a lot of us know about these different parts like neutrino and so on, bosons and so on. And one of the biggest yep. discovery, of course, at CERN is the Higgs boson. I think it's just right. recent discovery. I think 2012 or something like that, right? It was, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. discovered. Exactly. Just, if yeah. you can explain very briefly, what's the Higgs boson basically to a general public? Uh, right. So often uh, it is referred to as the Gauss particle, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, well, <laughs> you know, I, I'm not totally agreeing with that, but yeah, it's it's a particle that actually has changed the uh, the idea of what we have in in particle physics. Um, okay. So we have yet confirmed that what we have as a model, because physics is made of models, right? That work to describe what happens to particles in this case. Um, we have the so-called standard model that describes more or less everything that we see. Uh, and one missing piece in that was the discovery of these bosons. And uh, yeah, in 2012, it was found out. So normally uh, they explain uh, to the general public the Higgs boson as the particle that gives the mass to the other particles. Okay. So one could think, right, you think that you're made of particles and uh, and you say, I have a certain weight, right? I, I go uh, to, to weight my body and I'm like I'm 70 something uh, kilograms, right? Mm -hmm. So you may think that that is due to the Higgs boson because they always told, told you that the Higgs boson yeah, yeah. mass to particles. Yeah. So it's all, well, if, if I'm fat, uh, it's all uh, Higgs boson's fault. Uh. No, that's <laughs> no, no, not it's not. True. It's not. Okay. No, it's not true. <laughs> so uh, the Higgs boson gives mass to all the other particles. Okay. Right. So to all the tiny particles, but as I told you, the particles interact with the others. Mm -hmm. This interaction gives energy and energy gives mass. Yeah. So basically, uh, these are the key concepts and your body is more or less only interactions between your, the mass of your body is only interactions between the particles you're made of. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, kind of yeah. weird, but. Uh, that's fantastic. That's what I like. This that. is also what is fascinating for me because I do, for example, uh, I'm a bit on the other side, but then, then so I do a bit more theory or modeling also that this, uh, you basically the standard model predicts something, you know, it's predictive in that sense that there is, there oh, should yeah. be a particle and then you scientists that do experiments and so on, you look for yeah. it and it's just, let, let's see, let's test it. So this is fantastic, I think. Uh, right. Yeah, I, what is cool about particle physics is that, um, um, well, nature has been given certain, I would say, schemes that are kind of uh, 
easy and symmetric, right? Uh, and so if you see like three things staying together, you wonder if there's a fourth one. If you see a fifth one, you see like, maybe there's a sixth one, let's find it out. And normally works. That's, that's the amazing thing about it. Yes, yes. And it's, it's like, uh, we have something that doesn't work today with the models we have. If we introduce a new particle, that fixes everything. And then maybe 20 years after, there's somebody that built something that's uh, discovering it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's brilliant. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But of course, also, it's good to, I think, understand also for other people not doing science that it's a process of trials and errors, right? So right, it's like yeah. theory that has to be validated with experiment or disproved by experiments, right? Yeah, so, we do this every day, actually. I mean, yeah. we don't have discoveries every day, right? Uh, it would be fantastic, but unfortunately, that's yeah, yeah, never course. the case, right? Yeah, indeed, we had to go back like nine years to find the greatest one. Uh, so what are we doing now? Uh, we are uh, building new theories mm -hmm. that can explain more of what we see and trying to find out if they're true. Yeah. And Every day we have groups around the world that do different uh, studies with the data we collect um, and finding that certain theories are not true or we have not discovered yet that they can be true. So yeah. we set a new limit. So far, we have not seen that, for example. That's more or less how we live our lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until okay. somebody finds something. Yeah. So before, uh, and this is also another curiosity, I have, just before you mentioned these interactions between particles. So can you explain a bit uh, like four or five interactions you said? Uh, so what are right. those uh, more or less? Uh... Sure. So imagine that you have, starting from the basics, right? Um, you have the sun, the earth, and the moon, right? Um, and they're attracted one to the other. So they have orbits, they turn around each other, uh, they say hello time to time. And um, yeah, so, so think about the sun, for example, now, and the earth. So to circle one around the other, you need a force that keeps them bound together in a way. Otherwise, the earth just would go away. One of the forces, so one of the interactions we have is the gravitational one, yeah. right? So you, you have a certain mass here, a certain mass there, you have a certain distance between the two, and even these uh, by a constant, well, you find the force between the, of, a, of attraction between the two. Mm -hmm. Cool thing about gravity is that uh, so far we've seen that it's only attractive, uh, so we will never be repelled at some point. <laughs> and so we can live our life safe, saying that uh, the earth will stay there for a while. Um, and, then we have other types of interactions. For example, think about the sun, right? Again, and the earth. So we're still surviving because we receive the sun rays, right? Uh, we're warmed by that. We're given energy that we transformed in any other way, right? So uh, recent periods, we, we wanted to convert to solar power, right? Mm -hmm. um, well, we want to convert also to fusion and it's more close to your things, but so we want to get closer to the sun, but for the moment we stay very far away and we get uh, what the sun sends to us, which are photons, right? Yeah. And uh, that's another type of interaction. It's electromagnetic interaction. So um, the sun sends the photons, we receive them. So it's kind of an information that the sun sends to us and we see it, mm -hmm. right? And that's another type of interaction. And of the same type of interaction, electromagnetic, we have for example, uh, turning on light bulbs, <laughs> that works that way, right? Um, yeah. And we have what we talked about earlier, the nuclei and the electrons have different charge, right? Over the charge, and that's attractive. So one can spin around the other, right? Um, then we have inside the nuclei this time, uh, a strong force that's called like that because it's rather strong compared to the other forces mm -hmm. uh, that keeps uh, the, the nuclei and the particles in the nuclei together, uh, as well as what's within the particles inside the nuclei. So inside the protons, we have quarks, um, and the quarks are bound together uh, through strong force. And um, the final one that we know of is 
when nuclei decide that they want to they don't want to stay together anymore because it's not convenient for them to stay together right um they want to split at some point or they want to rearrange their their energy level and they do that in different ways they can uh, emit whatever they want but one of the things they can emit is uh for example by a, a weak force this time they're strong and there's of course weak uh by a weak force they can emit neutrinos that you were mentioning earlier um and then they convert whatever they need to convert into another particle to get this new particle and the neutrino out right and this characterized by the presence of neutrini uh there's then this weak force okay and okay. uh, these are the main four we know of today right so we said um, the gravitational electromagnetic gravitational there's electromagnetic there's mm -hmm. strong and there's weak stronger and that are, are nuclear the... forces basically um yeah i would i would say so yes okay, okay. um we experience them every day uh, even if we're not aware of that, and that's the cool thing of it, right? Um, normally we think that uh, what we do is um, kind of ruled by what, by our actions, right? And whatever we see is, is happening is actually happening. But there's these tiny little, very microscopic worlds that we're not really controlling yeah. in any way that does whatever it wants at uh, whatever point it wants. And for example, everybody know of uh, radioactivity. Yeah. And um, uh, for example, uh, they suggest not to, to keep ventilated the, the, um, the cellars, right? Uh, that's uh, because there's a presence of, um, of radon gas yeah. and that's radioactive. Um, and so that can emit particles that can interact with us and do some harm to us. Um, so there's even if we don't see many things it's cool to know that they are there because it this saves our lives it prevents <laughs> us from doing stupid things and yeah it's it, it's very cool to know and even if uh, that's totally invisible to us it's happening every day and keeping us yeah. together so on so actually trying to zoom in a little bit into your work so what you do just if you can explain us a little bit, uh, first of all, what's CERN? Mm -hmm. some, some Italian people, they call it CERN. So I don't know even Cern, the correct yeah. pronunciation, but uh, yeah. so what do you do? So just, uh, you do different experiments. If you can tell us about uh, those different experiments, actually. Right. What's the yeah, idea? Yeah. So um, the, the origin of CERN is, Pretty back in the days uh, after the Second World War, there was this uh, new, uh, it's a European feeling, knowing that uh, Europe working together works better than having war. Uh, that worked for all, in, in all stages of, of uh, social and human lives. Um, and this includes science as well. And that's the cool thing about it. Uh, so it's it has been, uh, uh, created to put together scientists of Europe. Indeed, it's called CERN, so C-E-R-N, uh, which actually is it's a French acronym. Yeah. So it's it's a center for new European Center for Nuclear Research. So first in English would come E instead of C, uh, but in French it's Conseil Européen yeah. pour la recherche nucléaire. Um, and so that's CERN, the name. Uh, so every language calls it a different way, right? In, in German, for example, where, where I got my PhD, it was CERN. Um, okay. <laughs> it sounds very harsh, but yeah, it, it's the same thing, right? What's cool about that is that uh, every language has its own because it's, uh, you know, it's a community of many people from many different places uh, speaking different languages. Uh, of course, we have English in common, most of the times, um, and we try we try to work together, and that has worked uh, since 1953, uh, or well, when they signed the convention for it, uh, and then they they started uh, to to work uh, from 1954, and we're still working today, and uh, it started uh, in the Swiss part because Swiss was neutral, you know, during the war, uh, Swiss was Not neutral, true. so they started from that place. Uh, and then, uh, well, 
you know, Swiss uh, has as an issue. Um, so Switzerland um, has pretty costly uh, things, whatever you can think of, and also land costs a lot. So it was worth expanding towards France. Uh, that's why now it's in between Switzerland and France. Um, yep. So from there, they started with a few buildings with a few uh, particle accelerators, okay. right? Um, and then they expanded that, and, and now we have an accelerator of particles. So uh, we give energy to particles to accelerate them. Um, we have it uh, in a tunnel that's like 100 meters underground, and that's 27 kilometers long. And we started uh, for with particles accelerators. They were like tabletop experiments. So a lot, a lot of uh, of. Technology so that's, uh, has what you're referring to is the LHC, if I'm correct, right? Uh, exactly, yeah. So our main uh, machine there, the accelerator, uh, is the, the, the largest that we have, um, is 27 kilometers long, uh, and it's called Large Hadron Collider. So we said about particles that are different types, they're mm -hmm. azul particles. Uh, one of the types uh, is called hadrons, and hadrons are the ones that um, are composed of, of quarks, right? Um, and, and we have like particles that are composed quarks uh, that uh, we can accelerate. So we give them a certain energy, right? We pump energy uh, basically through electric fields. Mm -hmm. So uh, we have a lot of power demand actually. CERN consumes a lot of electrical power. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we accelerate particles and then we collide them. So first is accelerate and then is collide. That's why it's called large because it's very large. Hadron because we use hadrons and collider because we accelerate and then collide them. Why do we collide them? So basically we smash yeah. them. Uh, we accelerate one against the other. Mm -hmm. So uh, we take a proton, we take another proton, actually bunches of them because it's more convenient, but you can simplify it with one and one, and you basically smash it, right? You take this, these two particles with very, very high energy. So uh, for example, if you, if you take one of the particle bunches that we have, uh, we call it beam of particle because yeah. it's like a train of, of particles. You take the energy of a beam is more or less like the energy of TGB, uh, the train Grand Vitesse in France, uh, at 300 kilometers per hour, full of people. So that's the energy of oh, that's that. The energy. System, okay. Right? All right. And only of tiny particles that you don't even see, right? And then we smash them one against the other. And what do we obtain out of that? So. You know, Einstein uh, was formulating the law E is equal to mc squared. That's very famous. Most of the people know it, actually. But what I, I'd like to convey as a message is that energy is equal to mass and mass is equal to energy. That's, that's a totally crazy thing that if you take particles that are made of quarks, you smash them, right? You give a lot of energy and you smash them. You can actually um, create particles that are not there earlier and that are not composed of the same components of the particles that you're sm smashing. You take new yeah. ones. So energy is converted directly into mass of another particle. That's totally different. Yeah, so yeah. that's yeah, that's great. That's why, for example, I heard the uh, you know. X uh, is quite massive, right? So that's why you need this much of energy to, right. to, to produce. Yeah, uh... yeah indeed. Um, so uh, we start with particles, well, actually we start with particles that have already a large mass. Mm -hmm. um, we accelerate them and then we obtain lots of different things, right? The energy doesn't go to only a Higgs boson, but yeah. You know, uh, it goes also to an explosion normally. And, uh, and then we, we need to, to create that. So we need the energy that's required to create it out of nothing, basically. So just out of energy, right? And that's why we accelerate them, as you said. 
yeah, yeah so it's pretty massive it's um not as massive as he, as we would have liked earlier uh when we yeah. when we theorized it uh because it's it's quite light and it doesn't explain all that we see uh -huh. right uh if it was heavier well on, on that field research would have kind of closed in a way but now having it so half range let's say um it, it leaves many doors open to find uh yeah, many yeah. other things I that's also yeah. the first thing it's also interesting actually to think about uh, why does x uh, have the mass that it has right just why why not a different oh, right. i think it's a very yeah. difficult question i don't know <laughs> to be honest yeah i, I mean uh, that that doesn't become scientific anymore right it becomes either religious yeah, yeah, or of course, of course. Uh, then... you know it's it's like that that's the nature uh it's it's impressive actually every time i i think about it or you know uh, for for my my phd i had to go back and study again all the things that i learned and so on just also to write the thesis to not to forget anything um so in studying it again i was fascinating uh, fascinated once more uh by actually how nature is written what the laws are that that make everything work that smoothly and that fantastically yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah indeed, indeed. Uh, but as an answer why is that uh, with that mask and not another mask. <laughs> Nobody knows, I guess, but yeah, yeah. I, mean, uh, um, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's just, uh, it's a bit, uh, it's a bit uh, also scary. Like it seems like we are a bit on the edge. This is the exact mass, you know, otherwise uh, if it was a bit too massive or less massive, maybe stars would have collapsed uh, in their own. Yeah. Just, I, I don't know. I don't know. This is science sure. fiction at some point. <laughs> yeah it is but yeah we, we talked about interactions right for example gravity um you know it has a it has a certain relation uh of the force with the with the radius so with the distance between the masses okay. uh if it was that so we have distance at the power of minus two if it was distant at the powers of minus two point something everything would have been different right so yeah it's yeah. very very precise numbers very fine-tuned numbers that make everything work precisely as wanted yeah 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 all right but um so then we come back to these uh, particles you said uh, we accelerate and so on we produce other particles that probably they decay or they produce other products and so on and just how do we detect that uh, then so suppose we produce right. a very fancy strange particles and we want to see them just how do we do that yeah yeah, so uh, indeed, uh, having particles mashing and producing stuff is not enough for us, right? Because we know yeah. what we have. We, we want to know what we have produced. Uh, otherwise, we'd be pointed. I mean, fancy, but pointed. <laughs> so uh, what we do is to put around the, the areas, which are very tiny, actually, areas where we smash the particles, we uh -huh. put around uh, huge detectors or assembly of detectors, which we call experiments. Um, and we want to see which kind of particles we have produced. Now, um, you can think of the area where we are smashing the two beams colliding of something around, um, I don't know, one millimeter in, in radius or diameter and the length of 20 centimeters more or less. So it's kind of a straw. Right, and all around it, the detectors that we put are normally of sizes of like 15 meters in diameter and like 20 meters in length. So we put huge things around a very, very small area where we collide particles. And uh, so this, this, this experiment basically with all different detectors, uh, now we will say a few words about what a detector is later, uh, so we have all these detectors and say, hey, I've seen a particle and I've seen a particle with these characteristics, with these properties, right? And then we can say, okay, this particle is what I've seen. Now I'll try to see what generated that, right? Yeah. And, and so we can reconstruct what happened during the, the two beams uh, collision. Okay, so... Now, um, the cool thing about it is that... Um, Normally, for all the particles we're interested in, 
uh, we're not seeing them directly. So we have these huge things that do not see what we want to see. Uh, we just see uh, the children or the, the grandchildren of what we want to see, because normally particles, uh, especially the very massive ones that we want to mm -hmm. find, uh, do not last for a long time. Yeah, they're not stable. They decay, right. Yeah. They, they're not stable, they decay. And even if they travel at the maximum speed, they can. So the speed of light, they, tra they can travel just for a few maybe millimeters or maybe micrometers. Uh, and, and so we can see whatever comes up to them uh, as a product of their decay. Yeah. So basically when we always see, yeah, we found X. So you, you basically don't see really X, but you see the products. Yeah, we've never seen right, the Higgs right. directly. That, yeah, that's yeah, almost yeah. impossible. Makes sense. Makes yeah. sense. And so what we want to do with our experiments is to see everything that has been produced, right? So that we can know that we don't miss anything. And we can reconstruct back from the children, basically going back uh, in, in the tree of products and, and, and parents back to the Higgs boson, for example, mm -hmm. right? And then we can know the, the, the properties of that, so on. This is also reminds me a lot uh, now reminiscence of all the statistical physics, because I mean, if you detect the products, how do you know that these are not uh, rare events, right? And uh, instead, it's really the event that is... Uh, uh, well, newer. yeah, so uh, statistics counts a lot there. Yeah, um, yeah. We, we never claim a discovery if we're not sure at 99.99995%. So it's what we call five sigma, right? For, for claiming a discovery. Um, that, that's very important because if we see, for example, one event that resembles what we, we think it's a Higgs, uh, we cannot say we have found it, not at all. We need thousands of events like that, knowing that those events cannot be classified, for example, as background. So given by other processes that may give the same signature. So yeah, statistics is very important. Absolutely. All right. So, so I also think you have to detect uh, these products very precisely. So how- Absolutely. So th there, are, there are different detectors. I think, uh, you know, it's very, very common. Uh, uh, you can read in every newspaper and so on about CMS, uh, about Atlas and so on. What are differences right. uh, about those? So, if you can tell us a bit more. Uh, I think you sure. worked on one of them, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm currently working for one of them that's uh, called CMS. Uh, it's compact muon solenoid. Uh, and it's uh, like the second uh, biggest experiment, I would say, in, in dimensions, okay. actually. Um, we have, in total, four main experiments at the LEC. Uh, we have two which are called main purpose, so they can detect basically everything or kind of everything, uh, and they're huge. And one is Atlas, and the other one is CMS, the one I work for. Okay. Um, and uh, the other two are more, uh, let's say, dedicated to certain purpose in, in discovering a certain sector of, of particle physics, and one is called LHCB. B uh, for beauty particle, so the beauty uh, quark. Uh, that's what at the beginning they were they're focusing on that, and then they're doing many other things. But normally they work with quarks, uh, and they're rather small. And yeah, they, they have a very peculiar geometry. I will tell you more about that later. And then the fourth one uh, is only dedicated or mostly dedicated to um, collisions. Uh, where we don't have protons anymore, but we have lead uh, nuclei, which are very oh. uh, huge, stable nuclei. They have instead of uh, of one or, or a few, uh, actually a few um, protons and, and, and neutrons, uh, we have in total 208. So it's, it's pretty big nuclei smashed together. And uh, when we, we smash them, uh, it's uh, generating the so-called quark-gluon plasma, which is a state of matter that um, actually 
it's it's thought to be the one after uh, the universe was uh, generated after Big Bang, if we ever had a Big Bang. But yeah, when when matter was very compressed, uh, we had the so-called Portland plasma that then inflated, and and we have the universe we see today. Um, and they, they're they're trying to study uh, how matter interacts, so how quarks are interacting with each other uh, through gluons. And so on. That's uh, and to that's study the, the early phase of the universe, right? Um, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, in the other three experiments that we study, uh, actually particles only. Okay. Uh, the principles are more or less the same. Uh, also, with particle-gluon plasma, you study the particles that come out from there, and we study all the properties of that um, to reconstruct what's happening there. Uh, so again, you never see directly what you want to study. But you see all the all the stuff that's uh, spat out, right? Um, and um, yeah, so we have now talking about more more about my my experiment, so my own yeah. experience that I had uh, that's more or less identical to Atlas. Uh, we have uh, in CMS a huge uh, detector, so a huge um, assembly of different parts that work together as a, as a single detector. And what we want to do basically is to track all the particles that come out, uh, out of, of a collision, right? Uh, so we have particles that go all the ways around and we have even multiple collisions um, when two being crossed. And so we want to precisely reconstruct all the particles that pass through our detector to then say, hey, this particle comes from that point and that particles come also from that point. Maybe they've been generated by the same one after a decay, right? That's why we need to be very precise uh, just to have uh, a clear idea where they come from to say, hey, the parent of, of them is, is the same and has these characteristics. Yeah, so that, that is what uh, you were working on basically. Yeah, and uh, more in specific, um, so this, Huge things are composed of many different parts. I was working okay. on one of them, yeah, uh, and um, it's one that uh, uh, has rather new technology compared to to the others because CMS is there uh, basically since the early two thousand, right? Yeah, so you need they to started collecting, the... right? So yeah, after a while, you know things. Uh, start to be old fashioned. So we want to be better and better over time. So we want to upgrade uh, what we have there and add new things with new technologies uh, to, to improve the detection. And yeah, what I was working on was one of these pieces that can see the particles that traverse them, right? So again, particles come to the detectors uh, they normally have a sensitive part, or what we call sensitive part. It can be whatever material. It's normally other uh, silicon, so kind of mm -hmm. chips that we have. Um, and then it can be gas. It can be crystals. And they then go all different processes to see uh, when a particle is interacting with them. I was working on gas detectors. So we have a gas volume that's uh, filled with normally argon, CO2, and sometimes other, other gases. Um, and when a particle is, is, is traversing them, uh, in the gas, we have the generation of ions and electrons that are split. So for, for a fraction of time, you have an ionized uh, atom. And of course, if you leave it there without doing anything, then they recombine. So you cannot do much with that. But we apply electric fields. We collect the electrons and the ions, and we see then that, well, some electrons are coming in this region of our detector at this point in time. So something has happened there, right? So we see what we call a signal. Then out of a signal, we have some processing and we can say, hey, something has passed through there and something has passed through there as well. And uh, yeah, so we see particles that way. Okay, okay, that's really interesting. Also, so then you said you did this upgrade and so on. So my question is that, uh, you know, from uh, ignorant in this perspective, because I'm not working in this field, right? So yeah. 
just uh, so what's next? Because uh, I mean, I'm stuck at uh, X Boson Discovery. So what did you guys do, right? After right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we have like twenty thousand people working for Sun, okay. so they have to be doing something, right? Yeah. yeah and we uh, indeed we are indeed working a lot. Um, so actually, what's happening now is we are not having collisions, at least this year and the past few years we had no collisions so LHC was basically stopped for a while and we're improving our detectors and our accelerators and then uh, from next year onwards we're having collisions again okay then for a few years we will collect data any type of data whatever we would like to study then we have uh, a lot of people from all around the world that take this data and analyze it and tries to find out something, right? And then again, we will have a, a stop of LAC. Mm -hmm. It will happen probably in four or five years. And for a few years, again, we will improve more because technology, you know... Improve? Like improve even... uh, what do you mean? So in which uh, aspects? Uh... Right, so... You know, uh, even on mobile phones, like 10 years ago, we didn't mm -hmm. have what we have now. So we, we have many more uh, possibilities in, in capability of calculation, for example, that we didn't have oh, yeah. earlier. Uh, we have new electronics. We have also new, uh, detector, um, new detectors invented, and we want to implement that. Uh, so what we want to do is being always more precise okay. in, in tracking particles, so seeing where they hit. Uh, and at what time they do that. Because yeah. we have a, a zillion of particles mashed uh, every 25 nanoseconds. So it's very, very small interval. And, and then after 25 nanoseconds, we have another bunch of particles mashing again. We don't want to confuse this particle with that particle uh, mm -hmm. or that, that, you know, can, of course, uh, they all can be confused in time. They can all be confused in space. They can all be confused in whatever type. So we want to be as precise as we can. That's why we're investing a lot of money, time, uh, and, and effort to have better, more precise detectors. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's useful also to put some constraint on the theories, right? If you can measure something very precisely, it's also useful for theoretician to say, we know this yeah. value with this accuracy, right? So how about right, you? absolutely, yeah. and it, it may sound weird, but uh, we we can have we can use that in two ways. Uh, so one thing is to confirm that a value is as we expect, yeah. right? So uh, for example, we say this value has to be two, and we measure it as two point zero 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 one plus minus whatever error, right? If that error is huge. Uh, you cannot say anything. I mean, the number is close. Yeah. If you see like two or two plus one or whatever, that doesn't really make sense, right? If you have two plus minus one, is that compatible with two that you expect? Of course. But um, do you have a deviation? You don't know. So you have to study more to have more statistics. That's why we want to run for a longer time and take more data. Yeah. Uh, to be precise in that and say, okay, the theory maybe, or so far we know it's accurate. So we confirm that is accurate, but also there's, you know, the flip side of that. If we measure more precisely and we know that we have measured this quantity uh, like with, with never seen accuracy uh, and that is close to the number that we wanted, but actually is a tiny bit far away. If you're precise in that measurement, very, very precise in that measurement, and it's a little bit off, then you can say there might be something beyond yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I agree, I agree. All right. And but that's then, how we're using it. Then I have really one million dollar question because I think for most of the people, it's really difficult to grasp this. Why do you need this, right? So why do you have to spend so much money right, on these very precise measurements or finding something that we, we cannot even see them. You know, the, all these particles, uh, you're telling me that they exist, but I, I don't see it in my life, right? <laughs> so right. Uh, why, uh, why do you have, uh, why is it important, you know, to do this kind of fundamental research? Right, so there, I would say two main aspects of that. 
One is, um, or, or maybe three, let's say three. Uh, first one, let's say it's, it's the very basic answer is, um, it's very useful as it was created, CERN was created, uh, to have scientists used to work together in that type of way. It, it's an amazing environment, really. So being used not to fight against each other, but to collaborate is already a great target that we are achieving every day. Uh, of course, uh, giving millions or, uh, you know, more, often it's more, only for that is not worth, right? So we have research on top of that. Um, and research, any type of research is, is useful. Uh, and uh, what we do at CERN for what it is, so finding new particles. You say you, you, you don't see them every day. You actually uh, cannot see with your eyes, but you experience them every day. So they interact with you every day. So the technology you have all around you is based on that type of research, right? So finding new particles, finding uh, new ways of particles interacting with each other changes our lives or has changed them, right? Uh, for example, I don't know. Um, well, we always mention hydrotherapy for, for cancer, right? Uh, so it's a new way of, of curing cancer using uh, accelerated beam. That's another that line shot. of research. Uh... Certain, that's right? yeah that's another line uh that's a parallel one but everything that we can do in be more precise in in accelerating the beams and making them collide reflects to that type of research right yeah and so we improve as human beings also to handle uh, our own tools that we invented but we need to be more precise on that to be more effective and of course uh, you can use then whatever you find for any type of application. Then yeah. it can be medicine, it can be technology, it can be whatever. For example, um, you all experience that at some point your computers uh, can fail, right? And I, I, I was mentioning muons earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, muons can interact with your computers and mess up the memory. Um, that happens. That normally muons, happens. Uh, <laughs> muons mess up the DNA, right? they mess up the computers. Yeah. <laughs> of course. But you know, uh, evolution is, is due to particles interacting with our DNA. Otherwise, we would be uh, primordial uh, beings and stay in the same way. Modifications are, are normally good. And yeah. I think, uh, no, it's good also to say that uh, even though, you know, it's fundamental research, uh, you know, research for the sake of knowledge, right? Uh, still, it has application, yeah. as you said, it's, right? Sure. Uh, for sure. example, it, you know, yeah. the magnets that you need uh, in LHC probably can have application also on different uh, technological yeah. applications, you know, on different yeah. uh, lines of research One, or industries and so on. Right. So, One of, of the main uh, outcomes of well, all types of research normally of, of like fundamental research is uh, the technology transfer from that. So yeah. we of course push the limits of our technology to have the best in our field. And then we take that and we use it for real, let's say everyday life applications. Mm -hmm. And that's what the coolest thing is. Um, then of course, uh, there's also the, say a third reason why we do that which is uh it's best to know what you have around you right than not knowing anything because it can save you from anything that happens right i was yeah. mentioning sellers uh, earlier uh if you know what's happening uh around you then then you can take actions yeah yeah right. yeah i would like to conclude a little bit of this conversation actually talking a bit about more the, the human side so i was working at cern interacting you said there are different peoples from different nationalities and so on so yeah. how's the environment there really from the human point of view it's just uh, like open like university campus or is a bit more secret uh, lab i don't know yeah <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's not a secret lab uh, I would not call it that way, but it's a safe lab. So we have a uh, safety measure yeah. because we don't want anybody to get in uh, for 
many reasons. One of them is that not every part of the building is safe for uh, exposing humans to, uh, for example, radioactive sources or beams. You would never want to be into LHC when it's turned on. I mean, you would never survive that. So, you know, we have restrictions, of course, uh, but it's not secret. I mean, it's best uh, if it is advertised, actually, because advertisements always uh, brings uh, knowledge and peace to people because most of the times you hear people saying, hey, you're doing something weird at turn, right? You're, you're making particles explode and we will explode all together. No, it's not true. I mean, it's, it's very safe. So everybody has know what's happening inside, even in a very simplified way, but it's, it's good to know. So we don't want to be a secret lab. Um, we want to show what we do. We're proud of what we do, um, but of course you need restrictions. And uh, so it's kind of a cool thing that you get in and you have your badge. You're allowed only to get in if you, if you have your badge. In certain areas, you need a dosimeter that measures the radiation that you, your body would absorb uh, to be safe for you, of course. Uh, so you, you would be warned if there's something going wrong. Um, and uh, so you kind of feel special in a way when, when you get in, but everybody can feel special. That's the cool thing of it. Um, we have also lots of, of uh, visitors that we can bring in and so on. So um, it's, it's, it's a nice place. It's a good environment to be in because, well, like I said, everybody can feel special inside there and everybody has uh, its own uh, characteristics, its own, let's say, culture, because we come from different nationalities. Actually, we have like 110 different nationalities yeah. in Serb. Uh, so it's, it's a very rich environment. It's uh, not like a university because there's no real like lectures or teaching for the entire year. Um, it's mostly research. We have also seminars and so on, uh, but it's mostly research. And people there are often uh, feeling, at least this is what I always felt, uh, that CERN is kind of your second home. And okay. it's one of the best feelings you can have. Yeah, because nobody judges the others. We all know that we are all different and we don't have only physicists there. We have all types of different uh, experts and not experts because, well, it's kind of a city actually, uh, since we have uh, thousands of people every day being in there, eating in there, sometimes leaving, you know, uh, or not sleeping because we want to continue to do research overnight. Uh, that also, also happens. So there's people always around you and people with the same you know, passion that you have, with the same will that you have to find something new. And you kind of feel that you're within a family, a very large one with different people, but that's always like a family. Yeah, are, so, right? so you would, you would definitely recommend working there, basically. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Or at least have, a, have an experience there. So do, do you need uh, to be like a physicist only or uh, if you no. study, I don't know, computer science, informatics or whatever other field you can work there? Yeah. Uh, does it... So mostly everything is needed. <laughs> like um, we start from, uh, we think that we are all physicists, but that's not true uh, because I tend to say that physicists are good in, in doing everything, but not enough for doing something. Uh, but, so we're, we're very non-specifically trained. And so we need people that is very trained for certain tasks. For example, we need a lot of engineers because as physicists, we're not able to put together uh, something that does not require tape. Uh, we, we're not we're not good in building stuff. We need uh, we need a lot of people that know what they're they're doing in you know designing and and you know putting parts together. Um, so engineers is one of the main figures that we have there. Uh, we I think we have even more engineers than physicists uh, working in CERN. Yeah, actually. That makes sense. Um, and then of course. Uh, we need um, IT and because we have lots of data to handle because with these detectors, we collect uh, like a megabyte every 25 nanoseconds per detector. 
so, you know, uh, memory fills up quickly. And then we have to handle all that. We have to share it with the rest of the world where we have all the universities collaborating and having groups that want to access the data and analyze it. So um, we want also to have, you know, safety in terms of computing. So there's lots of IT uh, people that work there uh, taking care of all this and also given a lot of resources that we need all the day long. We have computer farms and servers and so on, for yeah, example. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that... Sorry. Uh, sorry, sorry, yeah, yeah. finish. Uh... Yeah, so uh, I think that um, we, we need mostly uh, one single computer with one monitor and we can do whatever we want as physicists just because we connect to all the IT infrastructure from yeah. wherever in the world and we can see and, and continue our research. Uh, that's, that's the amazing thing of it. And of course, we need the, all these figures inside CERN. Also, we need to eat. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different things that we don't see uh, like advertised normally because when you have a discovery, it's like physics, fine. But then, well, we need administration. There's lots of people in administration. Yeah, of course. Because it's, it's a city, right? So you need all the different parts. We have safety. We have, yeah, fire brigade. <laughs> That's one, what they train you for, one, to call the fire thing, brigade. Um, one thing I really admire about this uh, world, uh, let's say, also we respect also to other fields of physics or science in general, is that uh, it's the communication part. I think yep. that CERN is taken really seriously, uh, <laughs> in my opinion. Uh, so what do you think about that? Uh, because sometimes, you know, you see a lot of people uh, seeing this uh, in a bit, uh, I don't know, it's a, it's a bit, uh, it's, a, it's a bit a strange way, right? So I don't know, like fake, fake news and so on. Uh, yeah. Like uh, at CERN you're producing black holes that they will, right. I don't know. Or we had a, we had a minister like few, few years ago that says that they build a tunnel you know that to, to yeah. let the neutrinos pass <laughs> this kind yeah. of news right so right. what do you think about communication at sir now is it handled and so on can you do better well you can always do better but no it's it's a great effort that we have um to to communicate to the other people as this is in in simple words also but that's very important to to tell the others what we're doing and if when you know what's going on you're not scared anymore right and you're you 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 shift this from being scared to being fascinated and that's what we want we want to convey as a message uh what we do is fascinating it's not scary it's not dangerous we have all the precautions for not for that not being dangerous right um and so communication at CERN uh, happens. Well, within CERN is very important. Um, there's often, you know, all, all the means of communication that we have, for example, now I'm connected through Zoom, right? And my Zoom account is hosted at CERN. Um, so we have this type of, of platforms that we can use to communicate among uh, our groups, uh, also to you know, communicate with others on the other side of the world, but also to we have platforms to communicate to the outside, outside world uh, from certain, let's say, to 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 the people. Um, I, I would say that uh, we're doing good. Um, of course, we can do better. We could uh, we could simplify things more and have it uh, shared with the others. Um, then of course, maybe uh, new, in, in the news, that would not be very appealing, but uh, it would be nice. And I, I like when I see, for example, um, in the summer, we had uh, uh, new, it's, it's not really a discovery yet, but we had new data on how muons uh, behave uh, in terms of the gyroscopic um, momentum, but whatever, uh, <laughs> doesn't matter that. Uh, what matters actually is how it was uh, well advertised. It was not done at CERN actually, but it's how science and particle physics in general advertises what we do. Um, so for example, in the Italian television, I saw there were 
lots of uh, public debates, having experts uh, interviewed and so on. That's, that's very useful because then people can know, first of all, where all the money go, because, you know, we, we said we spend a lot of money in doing things, but it can be, it, it is useful for everybody to know that. So um, that I would, uh, I would also promote more if possible. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. Thanks, uh, Giovanni, for being here. Uh, thank you very much. And uh, yeah. while well, we stay in touch. All right. Yeah, of course. Thanks a lot, all of you. Bye. Bye, bye.